Ah, gave me, me the vulture, and, which is a hundred thousand welcomes in, in Irish. And this is your host, Paul Perdue, and uh, the show is Talking Antiques. And we're on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And I'm on the Facebook page called Talking Antiques. And we're also podcasting. And my producer here is Matt. How are you today, Matt? Doing very well. Thank you, Paul. Uh, you had uh, a good weekend and behaved? Oh, I, I don't remember it now. It's been too long since the weekend, but yes. <laughs> I think it was a pretty good weekend. <laughs> so we're sort of in the middle of getting to the next one. Uh, yeah, I'm already geared for the next one. <laughs> good. So before we get started, of course, I have to thank my sponsors, which is uh, Village Antiques. And they're on 755 Biltmore Avenue. And you can go to their webpage, villageantiquesonline.com. And if you're looking for French, English, Irish, if they have any Irish, you have to look around for Irish. If it's in furniture, paintings, silver, gold, no matter what, pottery, David and Terry will definitely help you out. And please kindly tell them that the Irishman sent you and they will look after you. So that is Village Antique, 755 Biltmore Avenue, Asheville. And... Uh, we hope that you go in there and have a look around. It is an experience. There's no doubt about it. And you would enjoy it, all you antiquers and collectors of fine antiques and fine things. Now, today's show, the last show that we did was, uh, it was on bureaus and secretaries and, and stuff like that. And, and the show before that was on tables and whatnot and before that it was on marketry so i decided today that our show today would be on silver and because there's an awful lot of people all around the world collect silver and depending on what country you're in you know you have american silver you have irish and english silver you have german russian french you have all types of different silver and each country they collect their own but today we'll just sort of uh, have a little a little journey into the silver of various stages and the uh, different types of silver and so forth. And probably a couple of shows down the road I'll do one specifically on American silver and I'll do one on Irish and English silver and probably do one on German, French and Russian silvers. And of course, can't forget old Mexican silver, which is, you know, pretty good silver. So... And one other thing I'd like to just say before we really get into it is that because this is this show is only about a half an hour show at the moment, I can't go into great detail in in on all the items. I can only just gently talk about them. But if you follow me on my Facebook page, I'm going to start putting in more articles about what I talk about, just to give more in depth. It's very hard to put everything into a show even if it had an hour show if i had a two-hour show i couldn't put everything into it so it is just something for you to think about and other ideas to pop into that pop into my head you know we irish sort of work from the from the, the lip as they say do you think that's a good idea matt oh, i think it's wonderful great well the producer said that's good and of course he's very good he keeps me in line and uh once he keeps me in line, then I'll be kept on the air, and my sponsors will be happy. So, okay, so we're going to sort of talk a little bit about American silver, Irish and English silver, German silver, French. 
And one of the things you have to know about most silvers are hallmarked, particularly in the European Irish English market, the hallmarked. And uh, the hallmarking started particularly in Ireland and England in the 13th century, which is, you know, you talked about the 1200s. And the reason, there was two reasons for that. One was that there was a lot of counterfeit silver going around, and, and also gold. The quality wasn't all that good. And of course, royalty wanted to get their pound of flesh out of it. So one of the things they did, they created the assay offices where if you were in a particular region or a particular county or whatever, you know, and you produce something, you would have to go and have it tested and assayed. And it would normally have, to have three marks. And in silver, you like you have, you have sort of like in on the English and Irish market, you have basically you have sterling silver and uh, well, Britannia silver. Well, it's Britannia silver. And of course, you have early Irish silver. And the contents of them silvers are very important because, like sterling, which is the standard now today, like you, you know, you get pick up a bit of American silver, even modern, and has stamped nine nine point, you know, ninety two point five or nine two five, which means that there's nine hundred and twenty five parts of pure silver to one thousand. All the other is tin, zinc, whatever else. Britannia silver has. 958 parts per 1,000. But of course, what is also very collectible is Irish, particularly early Irish silver, which has 975 parts per 1,000. Now, for people that don't know that, pure silver is 999.999 as for pure silver. There has to be a slight little bit of element in there for, you know, to give it a little bit of hardness. Sort of like gold, if you have 24 karat gold, which is purest gold, it'll just rub away in your hands, it's too soft. So, you know, like, uh, what in America you have what is called 10 karat gold, which in Ireland and England is 9 karat, which is basically 9 parts to the to the 100, so to speak. And, um, and then you have 24 karat, you have 18 karat, 24 karat. 24 is, is purest. And like my my wedding ring here is, uh, I think it's uh, eighteen carat, so it's soft enough and there's more gold into it, but it's not cheap enough to be, you know, it has a certain amount of uh, value to it. So the silver is normally the silver now German silver. A lot of people sort of say, well, I have some silver and it, it's not. I don't know if it's real silver because it's only eight hundred parts per thousand. And that, and that, that was brought in in the 1800s because that was the minimum that your silver could be in Germany. And I have a little bit of German silver and I'm not all that mad about it. It, it just doesn't have the luster. But when you have some old Irish, English, European, even American silver, like the Paul Revere type stuff, which would chop your hand off, people would chop your hand off to get at it. Or Tiffany silver. It is, um, it has a beauty to it all on its own. It has quality to it, the feel to it. It like if you have a piece of modern silver and a piece of old silver, you can tell by the feel, by the look of it, by the quality of it. Even if the modern piece is of ultimate quality, you can tell the the character in it. It's got to do with with the way they made it and stuff like that. And uh, of course, when we get into the second half of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, two other parts uh, that are in the silver business. One is 
you know, silver plate or old Sheffield plate, and the other is electro plate. And um, it is very important to know the difference because a lot of scrupulous people will try and tell you that they're selling you silver, pure silver, solid silver, and really it is plated silver. And there's a way of knowing how to understand that, particularly on the older stuff, it was not hallmarked. And then eventually they all got their own hallmarking things and stuff. So just to go over it again, just slightly, Irish and English silver was started in the hallmarking in around the 1300s. French and German silver, more like the 1700s and 1800s. Russian silver went right back to the, the 1100s. And uh, that's just one of the ways that you can sort of get your head around understanding what silver is all about. Now you're listening to us on 1350 WZGM, which is independent national radio. Your talk Facebook page called Talking Antiques. And on we're podcasting. And I look forward to seeing you in the second half of the show when we'll talk about silver plate and electroplate. When you're down in Biltmore Village, go up to 755 Biltmore Avenue. They are village antiques. It doesn't look like an antique shop, but when you go through them doors, you're going into another world of fine antiques. They have French, they have Northern Italian, and of course American. So if you're just buying one item, or if you're buying a whole lot of items, please go into Village Antiques and tell David and Terry that you heard about them on the radio, and they will look after you. Village Antiques, 755 Biltmore Avenue. Oh, welcome back to Talking Antiques. This is your host, Paul Perdue. And um, I just want to uh, thank Village Antiques for being my sponsor. Please go down to them when you have a chance uh, to... 755 Biltmore Avenue and have a look at their beautiful antiques. You can also go on on their website villageantiquesonline.com and uh, if you're in the shop tell David and Terry that the Irishman sent you. So in the last part of the show we were talking about just generalizing talking about uh, silver, antique silver, American silver, Irish, English uh, silver, German, French. I haven't got into the German French, Russian, per se, but I will do other shows that will just talk about different aspects of silver. On this part of the show, I'd like to just basically talk about, you know, on the other part of the show, we talked about the sterling silver, which was 925 parts per thousand. Britannica, which you, Britannia, which you don't really get very much now, it's very hard to get, but on the antique market, you would get it, which is 90, 958 parts per thousand. And, of course, early Irish silver, which is very sought after. Even today, if you go on eBay and look at Irish silver, it'll, they'll bite your hand off for it's very expensive, which is 975 parts per, per thousand. 
German silver normally has a, a minimum of 800 parts per thousand, and that just gives you sort of a general idea of uh, what you're looking at when you look at the, the, the essay marks and stuff like that. On this part of the show, we're just going to talk about uh, silver plate. And silver plate is quite interesting because it it was discovered by accident in about 1742 when when a, a workman was sort of working on on repairing a silver uh, a silver knife or a silver item for for a customer. He overheated it and melted it into some copper and realized that the silver and the copper bonded so well. And then there was a John Hancock, I think it was Hancock was his name, uh, who about the following year set up a factory in Sheffield in England to create, you know, silverware, plateware, knives and forks, stuff like that, and small objects using this process of what was called Sheffield plate, where it was that they, they would heat up the silver, the, the very thin layer of silver on, on a base metal, which at that time was copper, and heat it up and then it would bond together and it was cheaper to make than having solid silver and it wore pretty pretty well and so after that basically after that you you, you know in the about the seven the mid 1700s you had maybe about 56 to about 75 companies 50 51 companies in sheffield anyway in england registered to have their their names put down so they could mark the Sheffield plate. And then in Birmingham, you had about 75, 78 companies that also wanted to do Sheffield plate. And one of the things that catches a lot of collectors, and not so much collectors, people that know the stuff, but people that are collecting, they think when they look at a piece of Sheffield plate, or sterling silver, or not well, that's not sterling silver, but um, silver plate, I should say. They get the two of them mixed up because silver plate is electroplated, and that came in at about the 1840s, but didn't really get started until it started to take over from the Sheffield plate because of, uh, there again, it was electric current was put through. Anybody that understands, you put the when you get your chroming done on your bumpers and stuff like that, all the different chemicals and the chrome. It electroplate was done the same way. You get your base metal, you put it into a, an acid tank, you clean it, whatever, put an electric current through it, and uh, if the silver would stick to it. Trouble being with both of them is that electroplate. If if you go through the the silver, you have to get it replated. You have to get it uh, electroplated again. The sterling, sorry, my apology. The Sheffield plate, if you went through it, one of the things that was happening was uh, that was catching a lot of people was that they would go and they would then get it electroplated on top of the old Sheffield plate, which ruined it because it was a much harder finish. It was a shinier finish. It wasn't as good, and you could ruin good quality Sheffield plate, which in some cases, particularly on the English market, is more expensive than solid silver because it, it, there's less and less of it coming around. And um, you know, one of the other, the other one of the things that it was most sought after, uh, particularly on the American market, uh, not so much in Sheffield plate, but in in and uh, electroplating was that Tiffany Tiffany's came in to doing the silver and um, 
when Tiffany came in to do the silver, a lot of people went mad after it. They did some of, they did, they mostly stayed with the silver, but there is some incidents where they, they plated it on the cheaper, cheaper end of the stuff. It's very hard to get, but mostly, uh, it, it, it was solid silver. Now, I can tell a story about, uh, I had my friend Johnny Fox in Ireland. And anybody that's in the antique business knows that you, if you have runners out there that bring in stuff to you, if you're, if you're, if you're a good person, you'll buy all the stuff, even if it's crap. And Johnny Fox uh, came in one day and he said to me, Paula, you know, buy this stuff. I need about $20, 15 pounds that time. And he said, well, there's a bit of electro plate in, 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 in the cigar box and I don't like electroplate and I said okay I didn't look at it and there was a one or two bucks and there was a little bit of pottery and I had other people that I could give that stuff off so it was always known in the trade that if you have a person that goes out you can't be in every place at every place at every time so you have people that come in and try and sell stuff to you and if you trust them great so I bought the box in a way and I put it aside and didn't look at it and eventually I got to it and when I opened the cigar box I got a little what is called um, a little salt cellar like a little salt bowl had blue glass in it and it was pierced and I looked underneath it and it was Tiffany and company now because he didn't see a hallmark on it because he didn't have the knowledge on it he thought it was just electroplate and it was cheap stuff and he threw it in there and but I knew immediately when I seen Tiffany and Cohen that I had a very, quite very valuable piece. And uh, it actually, what turned out to be quite funny was there was an American tourist that came in and bought it and was actually shocked that she found a piece of Tiffany in Ireland. And, and I was very delighted to sell it to her. And it was a beautiful pierced uh, dish. It was a beautiful pierced oval dish with the blue glass into it. And uh, I will never forget that. Did pretty well out of that. But so you don't know where you're going to find the value of beautiful objects. You know, like American Tiffany ware found in Ireland. You can find Irish, early Irish silver in America, which I I found down, down in Savannah. A lot of it comes in. A lot of people collect it. And, but, there again, you just the general, as I said, the sh- today show just general. Sheffield plate, seventeen forty two, very well made on a copper base. Then about seventeen seventy four, seventy five, they learned how to put the silver on both sides of the copper, and then a, a couple of years later, they put a silver rim around it to like silver wire around it so that it looked like that it was solid all the way in and out of course a lot of goblets and stuff were gilded on the inside so it wouldn't tarnish and eat away like if you put wine in silver in and stuff like that so as i said today's show was just a just a little little dabble into the silver market so you're listening to us on 1350 WZGM and Independent National Radio. Then you can listen to the show on my podcast, which is on uh, Talking Antiques on my Facebook page. And I definitely hope that you will join us next week. Slaw. So.